The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one day. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. It is so much fun. You will find yourself tapping out on turn two or three with like five lands out. <laughs> hey, when in doubt, show it out. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel, proud members of the Plain Suckers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. Matt, how you doing today? Uh, not too bad. Typical Tuesday, so I had the day off. I'm still working on Final Fantasy 11, making some progress there. I <laughs> I came yeah. down and Matt was like, I am about two minutes away from putting a fist through my monitor. Yep. So, <laughs> so what happened? So there's a couple things you need to know about Final Fantasy 11. It's 19 years old. It'll be almost it'll be 20 years uh, old sometime next year. There's a lot of information in the game and there's a lot that you, that you can go looking for and whatnot. It's kind of hard to find, though, because not a ton of people play and that there's not a ton of content creators and whatnot out there so when you run into any sort of issue it's difficult to find the answer online and final fantasy 11 is notorious for very obscure things i mean the the perfect example was what we what i was trying to do today you get a map for zones and the maps are almost always incomplete so there's areas that are not literally not on the map. Yep. You'll be if you open up your mini map or your map, you'll be off where it actually draws the lines for the maps and whatnot. And that's basically what I was dealing with. Well, that kind of makes sense, I guess. If they're, if they're going for that. Re- I mean, in the real world, this if this was set in ancient times, like maps weren't all encompassing. Yep. And that's that's what they're going for. And back in the day, that wasn't a problem because you would have dozens of other people trying to solve the same thing at around the same time like looking right. up there's a bunch of more more forums and whatnot probably more than dozens but well i mean like, a lot of people like it was so a perfect example of this it, what i was doing i was the only person in this zone yeah back in the day there'd be people leveling and playing there'd be other people you could, trying hit, to, you could hit like the local chat and be like guys where is yeah this what thing? the heck is going on i see meanwhile i'm the only person in this zone there's some like global chat but i don't think it's that way i'm not part of a link shell yet so i don't have anybody to ask so i'm just frantically googling stuff and normally when you google something you can just like flip through pages of results Mm -hmm. i would google this and i'd hit next page and there'd be one thing on the next page (laughs) (laughs) and the rest is just totally that's like unrelated content that's google circa 2002 correct remember when you would google something and nothing would come up no, like, most people don't. Okay. You used to, you used to be able to Google something, and if you were too specific, Google would be like, "I don't know, dude. I got nothing." Yeah, that's the world I live in. Day we should to stop day. cock teasing. <laughs> what actually happened? So what actually happened? Um, so I ended up. Uh, there was just this tiny portion of the map. What the game designers did a lot of times was they they use like optical illusions. So if you're just glancing past things you it would look like just a wall of rocks or whatnot but if you look at it from the right angle you can see that you can actually go behind there's like a path that goes back there and i just kept overlooking this and then i was looking on a map that had the place drawn in but the maps are so small that like i just didn't notice that that was there and it was this whole thing and i was very pissed off for about 20 minutes you were looking for the for an entrance to some underground tunnels in a desert yeah. 
and you had the full experience of wandering in a desert looking yes. for a hole. Other than that, the rest of my day playing was great. I yeah. uh, met up with one of the guys. He, um, So I play on the Asura server, which is basically the most highly populated uh, English-speaking server. And one of the guys I ran into, he kind of like took me under his wing a little bit today. And he actually, he's one of the guys that like writes guides and stuff. So yeah, it was cool. I had a good time. Good. I'm happy you're having a good time with your game. How about e- you, Jake? Even though it's a crappy old game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have two notable things that happened to me over the course of the last week. One of them was on Saturday, um, a day when my wife and I were sick as dogs, luckily on our day off. So we just kind of get to that relax. Helps. But uh, we were having issues with our washer. And as a homeowner does, I started taking things apart. And and luckily, it was a simple fix. We have some sediment in our lines. So all I had to do was pull the lines off and clean those sediment filters out and put them back on. But to do that, obviously, I have to turn the water off at the wall. And that went ahead and broke the shutoff valve at the wall. So, you know, yeah. I went ahead. I had other things to do that day. So I had to flush out our water heater. And, you know, while I'm just incredibly sick and tired, I do all that. And uh, end my day with cutting a little hole in my wall so that I could get a wrench in to take this faucet off. So if you're a renter, I get that owning a house is your dream, and it should be. Owning a house is awesome. It There are costs. Yeah, beware, guys. Either you will be calling a plumber. And I was talking, Matt, I probably saved like $500 if I had just, just called a plumber to fix this. I mean, if I called him for just that one thing, it probably have been two or $300. If I'd said, my wash doesn't work, come fix it. It'd probably be a, it'd probably be a three to $500 visit because... Stuff's expensive. Yep. But what that also means is on your Saturday, you're going to spend three hours fussing with something trying to get to work. Yeah. And that's the trade off. Yep. That's the trade off. You luckily, lose a day and you get your washing machine back. Luckily, we did get our washing machine back and got it all working. But that's how my Saturday went, which after that, I was like, I canceled every plan I had. I had planned on going and helping someone uh, do a thing. Uh, my friend Nadia, who I'll talk about in a second, <laughs> I called her and I was like, I have no energy for you. I am sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we're Ooh. done we're yep, done we're i'm done. sick and i'm tired Ooh. i'm literally sick and tired so yep. i'm going to sit on the couch and watch so speaking of nadia who runs a double h horse farm here in uh, in west point indiana what's I, double h mean so i'm not sure exactly why it's double h i want to say it's because her and her ex-husband at the time had h last names or maybe their name was h or something, something like that and it's one of those things where the barn got built with that name and it got a reputation so it just kept the double h horse farm name but I worked there. I used to work there full uh, part-time slash full-time for a year or two. And now I go there once or twice a week to help out. And she had a horse that needed work. She does mostly Mustang work. So she gets uh, Mustangs that come straight from the plains, like out in Wyoming and Arizona. There's a The Bureau of Land Management has this huge program to try and rehome these animals because they're essentially killing themselves with how many horses there are out there. Mm-hmm. You know, on top of doing damage to property and, and stock, or not stocks, but in livestock. And there's just so many horses that they're eating they're eating everything and starving to death. Yeah. So they try and round them up and they get them out to people that want to adopt them or people like Nadia who gentles them. And I help with that. And so there, this was a Mustang that's in for training and we needed to put the first ride on it. So on Monday, I went out. Nadia does all the work beforehand. She gets them saddled. She gets them desensitized. So I go out and I give her a workout. Just, you know, moving her around. I get her saddled up. Feels pretty good. And I go to, I get up, down, up, down. I get up and I throw my leg over. And she fucking loses it, <laughs> which has happened sometimes when you're training horses. That's so you're half on a horse and she's taken off? Well, no stirrups. I got my leg over. Oh, you did. Gotcha. Good. Yep. Yep. And that's a lot of times that's when they lose it on that first ride or two is like, that's why a big are you deal on for them. my back? Yeah. That's a big deal for them. You, you, you throw that leg over. You got to, you got to got them trapped. 
you know, obviously what I always tell people for perspective, you know, this isn't a domesticated horse. This horse has run from mountain lions before. Yeah. And that's what mountain lions do is they try and jump on your back and kill you. So I'm not terribly surprised. We rode her through. She bucked for like, you know, 10 seconds, five seconds, got her calmed down and we had a great ride afterwards. But during those five to 10 seconds, I beat the heck out of my inner thighs. I think I pulled a muscle up in my groin. So I was moving pretty slow today. I had a hard time getting my truck loaded and getting things <laughs> Limping delivered. downstairs. I did a lot of hobbling today. That's for sure. I was hobbling too. I fell at work. I yeah, messed my knee up pretty bad. I came in on Monday and Matt had, uh, we have these little stages at our facility just to kind of raise things up to the, where a, the back of a box truck would be. And you had a big yep. old knot on your knee. Yep. I didn't mention it on Monday. I thought about it, but you weren't limping. So obviously you weren't like, yeah, like I'm hurt. fine, but it's very sore. It's all bruised up. And yeah, you had a big old knot right in the side of your knee. Yeah, that felt great. Yeah. I came into work and our boss was like, yeah, Matt was just talking on the phone and then just heard a big bang noise. And he's like, I just fell off a fucking stage. Yeah, it was <laughs> we're not both, great. We're both stupid. Yeah. Well, I, I'd say like 50, 50, my fault. Like I was doing something like going from stage to stage. You're not really supposed to do yeah. that and walk across that gap. I've been doing it for eight years. I've yep. never fallen before. What happened is I went to take my first step across and the stage shifted. Oh, yeah. Most of the stages are actually connected yeah. to they're like, the They're catwalk. like welded to They're the, welded to it. Yeah. This little. This one wasn't. These stages are only three feet tall. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It wasn't. A, it didn't fall but far. You but, fell onto the stage. Yeah. And, and then back onto <laughs> the one I was on. So I messed my back up too. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, uh, I've, I've been feeling my back today too. This I basically solid five out of seven would recommend. I basically did a super hard workout for twenty seconds without any kind of warm up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so warm up next time. I need yeah. to do some. I need to. I'm old enough. I need to stretch before I get on crazy horses. Well, before we get started today with our magic content, I do want to give a big a big shout out to our mothership show, the Plainstalkers Podcasting Network. Will and Aramis, uh, they put up their podcast every Wednesday. They do a great product that. Uh, focuses basically on standard and commander and basically everything involved those things they they run their stuff based on basically arena data and they're a lot of fun to listen to i've been listening to them for years uh, i was really happy when i reached out to them when we were starting our podcast they were willing to kind of take us under their wing since we were going to be doing the eternal stuff and they were going to do the new stuff so i always recommend everybody that wants to get some more magic content in their life especially anything involving standard or commander to check them out they stream on Mondays at twitch.com forward slash plane talkers. And they also actually do a commander craft on Wednesdays, uh, the same Twitch, uh, same Twitch channel where they basically play anyone that wants to play. And you can hop on and play a couple games of commander with them over webcam on spell table. So if you ever want to join in on that, just join their uh, discord. I'm not sure how discord links work. I think it's plainsockers.com at discord or I'm pretty the, sure you can like search for them. The nice thing about the plane stalkers is they've done it. They, they've cast a very wide net where they're basically plane stalkers everywhere. So yeah. if you, if you look them up, you'll find them pretty easily. And uh, I recommend people check them out beyond that. Matt, how's legacy looking? We had a showcase this week, so we had a pretty big tournament. Yeah. So on this Sunday, we had a legacy showcase challenge, relatively diverse. Uh, we'll get into the exact breakdowns towards the end. Start out, give a big shout out to McWin sauce. He won. Been seeing him come up a lot lately, and I, I, I we've looked through these often enough. I'm starting to like sort of recognize people, and McWinsauce is is winning a lot. Yeah, he's got a pretty appropriate name. Yes, username. So uh, he was playing four color Zenith uh, Yorion build. So it's got that big eighty card deck. It's really uh, kind of surprising to me that we've seen these decks show up just in such crazy numbers because it feels like a couple months ago didn't even exist. Like this deck obviously was being theory crafted for a while because you don't just put decks into challenges and right. win 
that haven't been worked on. But once they like started winning challenges, everyone jumped on board and started playing with these things. We even saw a bunch of these in Eternal Weekend. Yeah. Like these just came out of nowhere and now they're everywhere. Yep. And my theory on that is like if you just look at the list and you you kind of like theory crafted a little bit, it seems at least on the surface that it's going to have a very good matchup against Blue Red Delver. Yeah. Like Blue Red what traditionally would would prey on a Blue Red Delver deck is a deck that can outfare them. Mm -hmm. So like what Blue Red Delver wants to do, stick a threat, a fast threat, beat you to death with it while throwing some disruption at you and playing a really quick game. Yep. Sounds like Sounds like a solid tempo deck. Yeah, this deck just doesn't let you do that. So it's got a ton of removal, so your your threats just aren't going to stick around very long. It's going to be able to generate a ton of value. Your force of wills are going to be relatively useless. Mm -hmm. So like, it's just going to basically outgrind you. Running, and that's running six forces themselves. Yeah, six be, forces themselves. Hopefully, which, be prepared to protect their stuff. Yep, they can protect their stuff in game one, and then um, realistically, they're probably going to cut them in games two yep. and three. Especially the force of negations, probably keeping a couple force of wills. Maybe. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the yeah, player. And obviously, I know I recognize that those are there also for combo matchups. Yeah. Like that, you know, pretty good against Reanimator. But well, that's one of the things we talked about before. Is there were a couple of these lists running around that had the forces in the side. Yep. And we'd, we'd even talked about that. Like, how do you stop a turn one Grizzlebrand yeah. without Force of Will? You don't. You don't. Like, yep. there's no discard. The, there's uh, no Force of Will. This is a different deck, but that, uh, that like, four Life from the Loam, four Exploration mm -hmm. band deck I was playing had all its forces in the side. Yeah. And, like, that was the plan, was to not play against fast combo game one. Or yep. if you do, just, you just lose and go to game two and bring all your forces and be prepared to stop them. That's one of the things to keep in mind, given the prevalence of Delver decks, not only are they their ballpark at between 15 and 25% of any given tournament, not only are you playing against the deck you want to play, those decks actively keep combo decks. They do their best to keep combo decks out of the top 16 and the top 32, stuff like yeah. that. If you can make it through the first, like, if you can make it through the Swiss and into that, your Delver decks are kind of going to be, not only are they doing you a favor by keeping combo decks up suppressed a little bit, you also have pretty good game against them. Yep. This is the type of deck I love that it's, playable in legacy it's again jake and i've had this discussion multiple times i personally wouldn't enjoy playing this deck in legacy but it's cool that it's i'm obligated to say the meat pie of legacy yes. <laughs> like the, it's just not my type of deck it's a pile of really good high value creatures and really good high value spells yeah obviously it's a very powerful list and it's a very powerful combination i've said it every time i want a more cohesive plan uh, according to julian i'm a very greedy person Yep. And that's when it comes to legacy, I like to be greedy and I like to have a cohesive plan uh, with my deck or I shouldn't say a cohesive. This is obviously has a plan, but I like a more structured plan than this. Yeah, predictable. You see some of that spice in the sideboard. It's all one of so you might take a while to find it. So I'll ask you this question. So you don't have red, so you can't run meltdown. Mm -hmm. What's the next best thing to run against this Urza saga factory we have going on in legacy? Seeds of Innocence. That's Seeds, the card I would run. Seeds of Innocence. <laughs> yep, this card saw some play last week, too. One, so that's a uh, Mirage, right? Yes, yes. that's Mirage. Uh, one green green, bury all artifacts. Each artifact's controller gains an amount of life equal to that artifact's casting cost. Well, a bunch of zero mana constructs. Yep. A little more than Meltdown would be, but it very much does the same thing. Yep. Really clean Urza Saga cleanup. And does a decent job at hitting... Uh, cast and whatnot too oh yeah, that's a the, very good point yeah which we'll get to later there's a wonderful so, job of cleaning up these artifact lists yep uh next up in second we've got bant lands this is that kind of that deck you were just talking about 
three creatures, three Uros. It's the only creatures in the deck. Uh, you got the typical spell suite with the addition of Life from the Loam. You got Urza's Saga and Wasteland and Exploration. This is almost exactly the list I was playing. Yeah. Obviously tuned differently, but this was, in my opinion, one of the most fun experiences I've ever had playing Legacy Online was the the four or five matches I got to play this deck with uh, God Accounts. It was so much fun. It's becoming pretty apparent that Days, like Days has always been good, but when you're running Days in a non-combo deck yep. with no creatures to protect, yep. <laughs> like... <laughs> Now, I will say this deck can abuse days a lot better than most decks because we are running four explorations. So, the, oh yeah, don't get me wrong. Yeah, like the, it's the cost of days is heavily limited when I get to play two lands a turn. Picking yeah, one up isn't as it's scary. It's just so weird from what days used to do yep. to what it does now. Like if you if you were to literally just look eighteen months ago, mm -hmm. you'd see days in Rug Delver and Blue Red Delver. Yeah, that's it. I, I think the reason days is becoming so much better is because the format is speeding up so much. Yep. Just, you need that turn one. Well, I mean, what did, what did days used to shut down really well for most deck? I mean, obviously Delver does a good job of protecting itself. But if you were going to run days against an, uh, just in your deck, like your days would be really good at hitting like a Jace or a Leovold or, uh, you know, essentially insert three like a, a, a back to basics. They're three or four mana bomb that's going to win the game. And legacy now is. My one or maybe two mana bomb is going to win the game. Yeah, like I, that's why Days is so good right now. That's why Days, even though you, these decks that have no right running Days sometimes absolutely pick it up because your opponent is tapping out on turn two to win the game almost. And yep. I, you know, you need an answer. Murktai doesn't win the game on turn three, but it's pretty fucking close. If you don't have an answer, he yeah, he wins it pretty quick. Yeah, he sure does. If you don't draw an answer in the next two turns. Other than that, I, I do like this deck is awesome. Uh, they're running. I see an eight. I ran two retrofitter foundries instead of uh, uh, Aether Spell Bomb and a retrofitter foundry. Mm -hmm. But again, it's is, this is like almost nine hundred tickets. This is a very expensive deck. the The cost of this just comes from running these expensive four of like four Urza Saga is two hundred tickets, two hundred twenty tickets. Uh, you know, a full play set of Force of Vic or sorry, Force of Vigors are fifty bucks a piece. Force Negations are fifty bucks a piece. So a bunch of that stuff adds up to an incredibly expensive MTGO deck. But if you have the access to play this deck, it is so much fun. You will find yourself tapping out on turn two or three with like five lands out, That's or having or having three lands and you've wastelanded twice. Like it's crazy. Highly recommend. Ten out of ten would do again. All right. Uh, up in third, we've got Reanimator. This is Jake's favorite top eight. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I love all of these. I mean, for, the meat pie is kind of and eh, what I need to do is I need to I need to get good at four color zenith. And I need to top eight a challenge with it called Meat Pie. Yeah. But that's what I remember. But yeah, this like Reanimator is amazing. I love seeing Reanimator. Again, love it so much I built it in modern. And again, this is this is kind of that new Vogue Reanimator where our kind of cruelty, Sarah's emissary in the main. We've got six unmask effects with a double grief. Yep. And then in our sideboard, what we have any spice in there? Uh, Archetype, Serenity. Archetype is... of endurance is a pretty sweet. That's it's not obviously new. Yeah. But it's it's I think it's a little less commonly used to uh, to dodge basically targeted removal. Usually you see Inkwell Leviathan in that spot. I think I would prefer Inkwell Leviathan in that spot because it just kills your opponent faster. You know, Archetype of Endurance gives your stuff hexproof and removes your opponent's hexproof, but it's still just 6-5. And so, I mean, unless you're planning on going wide, like, I think I'd rather just have the 7-11. I think it's a 7-11. Or is it an 11-7? It's a 7-11. Yeah, the 7-11 Inkwell Leviathan that I think is unblockable or has flying or it's something. Got, it's Island Walk. Yeah, Island Walks, which... For most things in Legacy is... And approximately two-thirds of your matchups, that will be unblockable. 
you know, again, obviously this person knew what they were doing so, somewhat, but I think I think Inkwell Leviathan looks better in that place. They've actually got more white splashed into the sideboard than is fairly typical, at least in my opinion. They do. Got four silence and two serenity. Yeah, the serenity is a big pickup. Yeah. Um, the silence, I don't usually see silence in these lists. Um, now I could be out of the loop and I could just be wrong, but it's not as often that I see random air decks splashing literally white mana. And we have a scrub land here and yeah. I mean, do we have anything else that taps for white in the main? Doesn't look like it. So other than your lowest petals, you've got one scrub land for silence. Obviously, I mean, a very flexible card in that it's good in combo matchups when you can shut someone down. It's good in control matchups when you can guarantee your stuff resolves. But Serenity is a really cool pickup to see that brought in over Green Reverend World. Silence. Over Reverend Silence is a is an interesting decision for me because, you know, I I see that that's obviously does a much better job at cleaning up artifact tokens because it obviously kills artifacts and enchantments and does a good job of taking care of your chalices and whatnot but reverent silence is free i guess you don't have any force in the mana base do you nope so if you've cut your yeah they they cut the green to play white specifically and then serenity is probably just the next best best thing to deal with uh so they probably bought into silences first and then moved into serenity with silence that was my thinking i wouldn't cut green for serenity I think Reverend Silence is just a better card, but yeah, if you're already wanting to buy into your sciences, your silences, then then you have then you're opted into Serenity. Interesting choice, very interesting choice. Uh, just in case you don't know, Serenity also does hit artifacts as well. Well, they've got Serenity and Wear and Tear, mm-hmm. so like I think you're starting to see. Obviously, Urza Saga has been around. I'm curious if people are starting to adapt to eight cast actually being a real deck. That's a good point. I you know I keep not thinking about eight cast, even though it's. It keeps top eating challenges and whatnot. I need to give it more respect. It doesn't pop into my head as much that we have a literal affinity deck back yeah. in back in Legacy. Yeah. Again, we can't get in these guys' heads. And but... three show and tell. Yeah, that's... <laughs> hey, when in doubt, show it out. Yep. Well, yeah, I mean, so what that... You do, you go, okay, you're going to bring in ley lines, huh? I don't care. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you're going you're gonna to smash both graveyard hate, and it's like, that's cool. Leyline of the Void, tap three mana. Yeah, this is just straight up Esper Reanimator. That's I, pretty cool. It's four color, I guess. This is a this is, this is a very cool uh, yeah. Reanimator list. I like seeing that something like this. This is this is this is what people are talking about when you say get greedy. Yeah, like is I'm playing four colors. I'm gonna go all in on stuff and festival. Yeah, pretty cool. So excited to see it. Next up is one of my favorite decks. Hey, one of my favorite too. Yeah, I don't play Madness. Spoiler alert. But this is an amazingly fun deck to watch. Yeah. And so I've played it a few times. It's pretty fourth fun. Fourth place, we've got uh, Madness. So any deck that's running Basking Rootwalla and then it's a <laughs> sister Blazing Rootwalla is fine by me. Yep. So one of, one of the more explosive decks I've ever seen that isn't just a hard combo deck. Yeah. You know, obviously something like Reanimator or Storm is probably more explosive, but... The the turn ones and turn twos these decks can have and and the recoveries is yeah they go zero, from zero to sixty just like yes that. it's crazy just what they can accomplish and the number of times I've seen these decks out just totally done and out no cards in hand and they just one or two hard rips and it's like oh they've got you know a hollowed one and two venge vines back on the board yep yeah so you go from you know nothing to you top deck a burning inquiry <laughs> draw three cards discard three cards put you know two walls power on the board and then a couple of venge vines from yep. the graveyard and you know heaven forbid you hit it a like Angie's ravager early in the game where it's you're just attacking every single turn with ancestral recall yeah so amazing just, deck like it's it's really sad that this deck has to run for uh ley lines 
or uh, Lion's Eye Diamonds, because other than that, the deck would be pretty cheap. Yeah. Bench finds are a little pricey, but you know, this, <laughs> this $4,800 deck has $2,400 wrapped up in Lion's Eye Diamonds. Yeah. And then a few dual lands that you could probably get with how fast this deck wins you could probably get by with putting some shocks in there and be almost as yeah, good realistically if you're going to play this for budget you get your lion's eye diamond you get one badlands you get one tega you run yeah a, you run Good a shocks. stomping gown and a stomping down yep. stomping ground and a blood crypt and you're good to go yeah that, those lion's eye diamonds those are unreplaceable unfortunately yep they just do something that no other card does black lotus and ancestral recall <laughs> We used to, I mean, everybody who was playing at the time has the same story. They were garbage. Yep. I remember. I I, 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 did, I, was, I I don't remember doing it. I wasn't in Magic at the time. I remember hearing the stories. Yeah. I mean, people literally used to throw them away. Yep. Because it was just like, why in the world would I ever want to discard my hand for three mana? Talk about money.deck, Louise. Yep. Next up, we've got four color control. <laughs> wow. Have you seen the price of it? Yeah, $6,700. Roughly. Obviously, yeah. these prices are totally changeable. Yeah, and they vary like, condition. And wow. A, a, almost $7,000 legacy deck. Let's see. Does, uh, I don't see anything super spicy here. It looks like it's just an amalgamation of very, very good cards. Monastery Mentor in the main, I think it's pretty spicy. Anymore it is. Yeah, you don't see that very often. One Snapcaster Mage is a kind of spicy also. Like, Snapcaster Mage is an incredibly powerful card but probably just too slow for most legacy matches, unfortunately. Yeah, that's that's like, there's nothing in here. There's no like new spice. This is kind of an old spice deck uh -huh. where it's just like, this guy's playing legacy like it's, you know, twenty. It's interesting to see the two dressed down in the main when the only real payoff is Uro and the one of Endurance. That's basically the only thing you're going to actually get literal value out of running dressed down in the main other than hitting Construct Tokens and hitting tons of other creatures like yeah i think the know. the thing with dress down is just the floor is pretty high yeah where it's just a two mana cycler at worst case scenario it cycles you yep. and a lot of times you can kind of get them with something I oh mean, absolutely i mean I, you know it doesn't like, even have to be like a hard i gotcha just you know i yeah. counter an etb and look at your look at your legacy deck whoever's listening or whatever look at a legacy deck and start counting creatures that have etbs yep and the ability to just basically stifle those and draw a card is it's pretty good. And then, you know, the, the times when you get to high roll it and get an Uro into play for free is Yeah, or, sweet. you know, you do something like counter. I mean, you counter somebody's like, this is an ETB, but they're Crater Hoof, where it's just like, yeah. you just have a main deck answer to a resolve. To a lot of things. That, you know. You have a main deck You have a main deck answer to a resolve progenitus. Yep, you do. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on what side of the table you're sitting on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this side of the table. <laughs> Uh, anything spicy in the sideboard? Doesn't, this looks relatively stock yeah. to me. You know, it, I hate those static casters. Um, stop playing that card. It's too good. Hull Breach is something you don't see terribly often in Legacy right now, but I think it definitely has a place in Legacy. Three mana for a 3-2 flash, and it's good. It, it's the, the the floor is pretty low where you know it eats a bolt a lot of times, but the you know the you can you, the the ceiling's pretty the ceiling's high. pretty high, and the number of decks that run card draw is pretty insane. So I think it's a good card. It's a good beater. Every now and then, whole breachers three mana win the game. I uh, yeah, it is. I, I I I think it's odd to see that basically these two whole breacher are taking up the two endurance slots. I think I'd rather just have two more endurance, basically two endurance in the main and two endurance in the side. I can um, see having one whole breacher. Like if you really like the card with yeah. all the cantrips, having one in there. I yeah. agree with you though. I think I'd probably, given the prevalence of Delver being everywhere, yep. I think Endurance just is a slightly better you know, card against. Obviously, that. we're you know we're we're Monday morning we're quarterback. Huh? We're Monday. We're being Monday morning yes. quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. But 
I, yeah, the deck looks pretty solid. This is, you know, it's four color. You're running all the best things in all the best colors. So notice I, there's no black. Yep. <laughs> I said all the best things in all yep. the best colors, man. <laughs> Should be happy. What's the what's the one card you hate the most that's black? Yeah, play oh, don't get me wrong. Yeah. You'll never hear me complain that Plague Engineer just isn't around. Yep. So there's definitely metas where I'd prefer that, but this isn't one of them. I personally don't really mind the meta. Right now, like I said, we had a discussion Elves last week. Like solid. lately, the meta has been at least the top eight metas have been decent. And we we'll talk about it. Like the the meta breakdown doesn't look very good, but if you like what is winning in the top eights is looking good. Yeah, kind, kind of acceptably so. Yep. Uh next up in sixth, we've got Red Prison. Uh this doesn't look to have anything. Uh, it's got two dead and gone, which is something we saw in our internal weekend. This is the appropriate red prison list with four blood moon in it. Yes. This is just fuck your turn. Yep. I mean, I, I, we, we were talking last week how I, I got super excited about a, a, a prison list that ended up not having Blood Moon in it. And I was like, boo. Because I think I just I like decks running Blood Moon because, you know, go back to that reanimated list, go back to that four color control list. Like, this is, these are greed dot deck. Yep. Where it's like, geez Louise, guys, you just have eight dual lands in your deck. How soft are you to resolve Blood Moon? So I'm happy to see. You know, people still out there championing blood moons and championing turn one chalices and just making people at least think about playing some fair magic and playing some responsible mana bases. Yeah, um, I'm a huge fan of just red prison in general. In my opinion, it's the best goblin deck, even though it's not an actual <laughs> goblin deck. Um, Beat the other goblin deck. Not by much, though. That's a surprise down in ninth. Yeah. Next up in seventh, we've got black red or black blue reanimator again it seems like red black might be kind of on the outs well and this one's actually got blue this got careful yep. study in it so you think about it you know dex got another force of will so you know, the, the power of black red reanimator was to make him have it it's just the idea of i'm going to go hard as i can as fast as i can because I, what was it like there's like a 17 or there's like a 17 or 18 percent chance a player doesn't have force of will on turn one Based on if you have four Force of Wills in your deck, there's like a 16, 20% chance you're not going to have it on turn one. Something like that. Now that we're running Force Negations, that, that math is totally up. skewed. The math is way smaller. Not to mention, most decks are running days. Yep. So the what you what you gained with having some blue was having access to a little bit more consistency, potentially. These lists aren't necessarily um, emphasizing that. But you lose that hyper quickness and maybe the hyper quickness just isn't as important in this heavily controlled meta. You need to take the extra time to strip their hand and make sure it's going to resolve. And it also allows you to run show and tell on the side. Yeah, that seems to, that's kind of the biggest thing. Like the single biggest individual card is show and tell between the, the two of these. Yep. This one's got prismatic ending in the side. It does. That's, so, I mean, and wasteland. You've only got, uh, <laughs> this is a hell of a sideboard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've only got access to two or three colors, but what do you, you don't ever have to hit anything that costs more than two. Yeah. You, know, you look at your Graph Digger's Cages, your Tormod's Crypts, your Nihil Spellbombs, which, I, that not, you know, Nihil isn't as popular in Legacy, but most of your on your rest in peace, most of your onboard graveyard hate is less than three mana. And so two's, two's very castable. Yep. Well, that's the beauty of Prismatic Ending. Nihil Spellbomb in and of itself doesn't have to see a lot of play. It still gets got. Two Wasteland on the side. I, I can't be, I can't imagine running Wasteland in my reanimator deck when <laughs> this deck runs 14 lands. That's greedy. Like, I mean, that's there's no way that you're citing lands out for that. You're citing out 
you're citing out like dark writs or you're, you're citing out careful studies. You're citing out you're citing out enablers to bring those in. There's no way you're dropping down to just 14 lands with two wasteland, which essentially would be 12 effective lands. You've got to be going up to 16 and dropping maybe two griefs uh, of note. This has seven on mask effects. Yep. So like I said, I think, you know, with the splash into blue, the prismatic ending, the show and tell this deck is a lot more willing to go a little slower and hopefully clear the way a little bit better. Yep. And then also, Absolutely. also just show and tell and yeah, fuck your graveyard hate. Go ahead. Mulligan to ley line, please. I personally never do that. Like, well, you're playing elves. You can't. Well, just in general, like it's just not good enough. Like if you go down to four cards and one of them's a ley line, yeah. you, you've already lost. I pretty, I pretty aggressively mulligan to six for ley line. Uh, yeah, I get I really scared going to five yeah, or that, a ley line, especially with the, uh, the new mulligan, the rule. mulligan rule going down to six. Isn't necessarily the end of the world. Yeah, it's very doable. Looking at the creatures, cause we've been doing that creature base looks almost the exact same. You hop into the side. We've got one archon, another archon of cruelty. Nothing else though. Um, a fairy macabre as some nice yeah, graveyard that, hate, but like that's not in there because it's this a deck has definitely that has like a much more flexible sideboard than most reanimator decks. But it also trimmed out on pretty much all of the like toolboxy style reanimation targets, and is just going to reanimate Grizzlebrand or Archon of Cruelty, and that's it. Yeah. Which, in fairness, those usually win. Yep. But this deck was like, I don't care about Sire of Insanity, Tide Sprout Tyrant, whatever that Hexproof one was, Elish Norn. I'm just going to make a fatty that makes you discard a bunch of cards or makes me draw a bunch of cards, yep. and that'll win me the game. And it, it it does. Yep. Rounding out our top eight, we've got Death and Taxes, so no surprise there. Death and Taxes, probably the best non-reserve list deck. Um, <laughs> $1,500. Yep. $7,000 four-color control deck. Literally less than a quarter. And this of, is the 80-card version. Yeah. A $1,500 80-card <clears throat> deck. 18 basic planes. That's that's your money saving right there. Yeah. This First yeah. off, you're playing planes. Yep. <laughs> Second, <laughs> you've got 18 of them. Yep. That's pretty cool. The other thing of spice that I know in this is that this 80-card deck running four Wasteland, four Rashad and Port, but isn't running any additional uh, land control elements. So we talked with Derek, our basically our in-house D&T expert. And he informed me that pretty consistently you're looking at these lists are running a couple field of ruins. Yeah. Just because you, you know, you, you want to bump that up on those wastelands. Yeah. You need the consistency of being able to remove lands and even giving your opponent a basic is still better than just letting them have their shenanigans. Well, and a lot of, a lot of decks don't run basics. Yeah. A so lot, yeah. Or, you know, only one or two. Yeah. And then this deck obviously it shows to cut those. And I don't know if it's because they forgot to put them in or they just, I mean, I find it hard to believe that planes 16 and 17 and 18 are better than three field of ruins, but I could be wrong. Yeah. So. Well, there's a couple of things to keep in mind when you're looking at these lists. One, Urza Saga, typically speaking, doesn't stick around very long. Yeah. Right. Paracas, while you have four of them, you're only ever going to have one out in play. And then Wasteland in and of itself, your intent is to sacrifice. So you do actually need a critical mass of just lands you can hit and they are going to stick around and cast spells. I guess that's true. That's very so true. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I would probably still run like if it was me, I'd, I think I had five, I did four wastelands and one field of ruin just to bump it up a little was bit. Was that a 60 card or an 80 card deck? That was 80. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. In in 60 card, I wouldn't just four wastelands. You don't need anything extra there. Gotcha. But because I kind of agree with you, but I can see the other side of it where like, yeah, the Urza Saga really pulls down your your mana producing lands. Yeah, where like Urza Saga technically produces a mana, but 
yeah. for all intents and purposes, More, it does not. Well, realistically, it costs mana. Same thing with Urza, or with yeah. Rashad and Port. Again, these can all tap for mana, but what you want to be using your port for is porting someone else. Yep. So port effectively taxes you as well. So you do kind of need those. You'd need enough planes. Yep. That's for sure. Um, doesn't look, we've got the Timeless Dragon, which we talked about last week. Cathar Commandos become kind of a yep. mainstay, looks like. A really cool two mana, something you can get with Recruiter that you can pitch, you can and pay one. solid to, body. Yeah. 3-1. One yeah, 3-1 kills your opponent plenty quickly. I mean, like. Especially when it's carrying, you know, yeah, I, you don't, uh, GTA. You don't like getting hit with Spirit of, La Spirit of the Labyrinth very many times. Yeah. yeah, you throw a sword on there, or not a sword, but you throw a Shadow Spear or a um, GTA or something on there, and it's something to be afraid of, for Actually, sure. Actually, I will correct myself. Peacekeeper, if I remember correctly, is on the reserve list in the sideboard. It's only 36 bucks, but it is on the reserve list. Get your peacekeepers now, guys. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so that's our top eight. I did want to give this mention. In ninth, we had goblins. Cool. And in 11th, we had eight cast. Cool. So the top 12, uh, 12th was, is it Delver? Top 12 was pretty diverse with really only one repeat in reanimator. And even yeah. the reanimator decks were they weren't like carbon yep. copies of one each other. We spoke last week. Other. Like the legacy meta doesn't look terrible right now. Yeah. It, the, people people pretty consistently say that legacy is no fun to play. And you look at this top eight meta, this top 10 meta, and it looks pretty great. But how do the metas look for the tournament? Right. So the top 32 of this looks totally different. You've got eight of the top 32, or is it Delver, with a ninth with uh being Jeskai Ragavan, we traditionally lump those two together. They're uh -huh. very, very similar decks, even though they kind of approach the game different, slightly yeah. differently. So running a lot of the same cards. Twenty-five to twenty-seven percent. So one in four matches is that. Like I went on a rant last week, just an incredibly unfun match to play. Yeah. Well, the big thing is whether you think it's unfun or not. If you do think it's unfun, one in four matches, you're gonna hate. Yeah. And that's that's a lot. That's now, a lot. Again, it's a showcase challenge. We've got competitive people showing up to win real prizes so like fun traditionally yeah, speaking I mean, is not the first concern your showcases are qualifying you for some really high level tournaments like yeah. winning these matters um after is it delver we've got uh blue green sun zenith and then uh we've got reanimator death and taxes and green white depths as the most played decks yeah but now we're getting like fours and twos yeah like, yeah yeah blue sun zenith was the other deck it's got four copies yeah. and again like it and that kind of supports what i'm talking about blue sun zenith in my opinion, is a response to the prevalence of these Delver decks. Only one elves. <laughs> Gonna mention I mean, them every time. One elves, though. It, you're, you're only looking at 32 lists. That's yeah. not bad. Having an elves top 32 is is something. Doesn't look like he did anything particularly spicy. Oh my gosh, Matt's over here looking at the 17th I'm gonna place look deck. At 18th, sir. Even worse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to look at elves every single week. Uh, most played cards, these all sound very familiar. Brainstorm, Force of Will, Ponder, Swords, Days, Expressive Iteration. Ban, Ponder, Ban, uh, Ban, Ponder, Ban, Preordain, Ban, Expressive Iteration. That's the funny thing. If you look at this most played cards, the cards that are at least in the conversation, and this is kind of like an obvious thing for being banned, Merktide, Ragavan, DRC, Expressive Iteration, Days, and Ponder. So you got half of the top 10 are arguably cards people have they're been least, discussing yep, whether or not they are cards that banned. people openly discuss they like to see banned. Yeah. Pretty funny. So it's no wonder we're not firing tournaments every week when literally half of the most played cards are what many people consider ban-worthy cards. Yerp. Uh, top creatures, it's pretty obvious. DRC, Ragavan, Merktide, Uro, Delver. Yep. And top spells, Brainstorm, Force Will, Ponder, Swords, Days. Yep. I stand by what I said. I kind of, like a lot of people were clamoring 
were really hoping for a band this week. I was watching. Uh, I was, I'm right there with them, to be perfectly honest. Wizards is not, I don't envy their position right now. Because this yep. is not something that is, I mean, it's easily fixed if you don't care about doing it right. Because you could just ban, you know, ban some of these Modern Horizon cards and that would realistically be enough, right? Yep. But according to their metrics, a lot of these cards aren't, they're not ban worthy. Yeah. But the flip side is people don't enjoy playing in this meta. So what do you do? Listening to the Eternal Glory podcast with Brian Cook, uh, Brian Cobal, and Bill Gallagher. I do, I do like their podcast. I recommend people check it out if you want. They were, they brought up the uh, mentality that they might be looking at instead of a surgical strike. He's wondering if I think Brian was asked was wondering if they're maybe gonna do a big, a big shakeup, like like seven or eight cards that should probably go, like maybe Days and Grizzlebrand and expressive iteration and you know allosaurus shepherd and i'm not saying that should go like, oh yeah like just he just threw out like a ton of cards that well, you could rattle off 10 or 15 cards that just literally should not have yeah. ever been printed for what they for, yep. if you look at what they do and what they cost they shouldn't exist yeah. or in something like grizzle brand's case he just shouldn't exist in the first place or absolutely should that's not to say i think he should be banned at the moment but like if you just go down yeah. the top 30 most played cards about half of them probably never should have been yep. printed so that there's some there's some chit chat in the legacy community of, of maybe maybe the reason this is taking so long is they're thinking about doing like a orbital strike of, i 100 percent would be on board with that yeah that's something jake and i have we've discussed this at like ad nauseum yeah literally i'm firmly of the opinion that the only way you're going to make fair non-blue decks competitive is by you have to hit combo yeah like it's people can't be winning on turn one and you expect them not to play you expect their opponents not to play force will yeah that's just the way it goes it's interesting i don't know how exactly i feel about that because i don't either i'm just I, yeah well, well the the mentality of like this huge orbital strike is a good thing or a bad thing because i don't so on one hand i don't want to see legacy drastically changed like that because it's legacy and it shouldn't be but i think my internal response to that is it shouldn't be done regularly but this might like it might be time to chop off a dead limb. Mm -hmm. Like we had the chance to surgically remove some gangrene, and we didn't. It's take it's time to take the leg. And so much has built up in legacy where there's so many problems that it's hard to look at a meta game and point at what the problem is. Other than you know maybe Ragavan's not fun to play against, sure. But there are so many problems just deeply ingrained in it that it might be time to cut a leg off. People always talk about when you have ban discussions is oh well if you ban this deck yep. then there's just going to be another best deck right yep well the problem is at least in my opinion is so many decks in Legacy do something so broken and so consistently that you're going to have that problem without something like a yeah. you know orbital strike yeah I don't know I said I don't exactly know how I feel about that guys I'm not trying to sit here and say I'm in favor of it or hardly or very against it I. I don't exactly know how I feel about the mentality of changing legacy that drastically because maybe it should happen, but it hurts my soul to think that it would happen. I would be on board given one of the conditions would be at least half the cards would have to be newer cards. Like, yeah. I don't think you get to ban a bunch of old stuff in order to and make way for all the MH2 for, stuff. Yeah, I, you don't get to make way like for that. I would like to put in one contingency that nothing out of Azorius Control gets banned. Yeah. Because that's the only deck I own. <laughs> <laughs> See, 
that's one of the problems Jake has had is historically, is historically he loves to chase the meta. Absolutely. So he's been banned like I think, six times. Yep. I think I've had uh, <laughs> I think I've had three standard decks on MTG Arena banned. I've had I believe two legacy decks banned, yep. and I think a historic deck banned. Yeah. I've I've literally had my personal deck banned out of existence like between four and six times. I've been hit once with modern. I had a. Uh, Blue, red, Delver, and modern. When Treasure Cruise was around, uh, that one's at least partially my fault. Treasure Cruise is busted. I don't blame them for banning it. Yeah, but it was a hell of a lot of fun to play when it was legal. So I'm not going to complain there. So was Fires and Standard, <laughs> right? Oh man, that was, that was that was fun. And then I got hit pretty hard when Deathrite Shaman was banned. I yeah. had you like didn't you have two decks? Yeah, Elves ran it, and um, basically I've always had. Um, since I started playing, I got Elves sure. built, and then I wanted to play a Force of Will deck as well. I had Grixis Delver. So I had Grixis Delver and Elves. Yeah. I remember when that happened. Yeah, Matt had Matt had to put eight <laughs> copies in his binder. I, I, ha- I own nine copies of Deathrite Shaman, four or eight from Legacy, and then one for a, a foil for my oh, EDH that's deck. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> that's the only way I could describe it. I'm just like, well... Again, and again, I don't necessarily even disagree. Well, you did at the time. Well, in that precise meta, I personally don't think it was that big of a deal. Uh, games were still firing. Legacy was yep. more popular than it is now, at least in my opinion, especially when you consider that formats should be growing and not like, you know, population shouldn't be shrinking. Yep. There were some complaints, but Deathrite Shaman got hit because it just, you know, it crossed that like, oh, well, it's got a 56% yep. win rate. But people were still playing it and have and have. It was fun. the hybrid mana cost is what did it. Yeah, if it just cost green, I don't think it would have been, been fine. But being able to tap an underground sea for yep. a mana dork that is also it's ramp and an answer and a threat. Yeah, like I mean, graveyard hate, it's a very ramp, powerful card, and uh, and yeah, the, it kills your opponent. It does everything. It's it it was the elemental of what 2017, 2018. Yeah. So it was the it was the five mana swords to plowshares of like, oh man, my swords doesn't do anything die yeah so i miss death right shaman i'm whenever i think about bands i'm like thank god death right shaman was not legal when oko was legal like Hi. that would have been the worst thing <laughs> imaginable <laughs> yeah it's been pretty good <laughs> land fetch death right gagged a little bit <laughs> land fetch oko <laughs> yeah that's been pretty good oh yeah i'm just gonna gum up the board with all this oko crap and then just ping you to death yep. two damage at a time good luck buddy yeah so that would have been horrific that's pretty awesome as far as legacy goes looks it's good. sad that it it looks good but like i said that top eight looks good but the the meta breakdown doesn't i don't want to play against delver every couple games yep i and just don't it's it's hard to get really excited about a lame duck format like we're in i get when people are playing for high stakes tournaments you show up to play that's what grinders do. That's what professionals do. I 100% am on board with that. Yeah, until until Watsi comes out and makes an official statement, yes or no, we're banning something, this is definitely a lame dunk format that people are not interested in playing yeah, in. and it feels like it. it, you, it that's kind of what I was getting at when Deathrite Shaman, when Grixis Delver was, quote, everywhere. It was like 12% of the meta at the time. It didn't feel like it never, in, at least in my opinion, it never felt this bad as far as like yeah. there was still interest in Legacy. And it just doesn't seem like there's a ton of interest in Legacy at the moment. You know what isn't a lame duck format? Modern. You know what has a lot of interest? Modern. You know what 
format is amazing from top to bottom, even if you look at the meta summary. Not historic. <laughs> Modern. <laughs> so we'll just go over the Sunday meta because we're, we're going long because we got super into some cool decks on Legacy. Uh, but I would be remiss if I did not. I don't know how you give enough shout out to Soul Strong. This is fucking baller, dude. Like this is fucking amazing. Soul Strong came on saturday and was like i'm gonna take this challenge down with grixis death shadow then woke up on sunday and was like fuck it i'm gonna do it again like that's how pretty do cool you, i i know the results aren't like rapid fire but like fuck man getting on there and just fucking yeah, winning two just in do a row. it again that's, that's amazing like magic is such a high variance game I don't know if I will ever accomplish anything that impressive yeah. in Magic. That was that's really luck got involved, but like at what well, there's always the saying: once is lucky, twice is skill. Yeah, and this dude showed some skill. So yeah. he or she or they, I mean, tons of amazing credit goes out to that. That's awesome. And so as as respect, we will look at Soul Strong's Grixis Shadow list. Obviously, alert. Did you change anything from Saturday to Sunday? I haven't. I didn't even look at the Sunday. Or did list. he just fucking roll the same seventy-five? That'd be awesome. It's so hard to compare them. I'm doing that right now. Well, while Matt compares the list, I'm going to run through some of the some of the stuff. You know, obviously it's a Luris companion list. One of the things that I think definitely helps prop up the power of this deck or Dragon Rage Channeler, the exact or same Ragavan. list. He just he just mentioned <laughs> the same list. Yep, that's awesome. He's <laughs> like, nope, got it right the first time. Yep, <laughs> queue up. Four Unholy Heat, four Expressive Iteration. Uh, what else am I seeing here? That's uh, four Dress Down between two in the main, two in the side. Like, this is a lot of MH2 cards. Yeah. And MH2 is some of the most powerful things to be doing. So put and them all in one gonna deck. he's going to do all of them. He's going to do all of them. But just a, just a crazy powerful deck. We talked last week about how Grixis Shadow put up three lists in the Sunday Top 8. And just how the deck is so powerful, the deck is so flexible, and the deck is so recursive with Luris. You know, Death Shadow. I mean, the Death Shadow dress down combination is disgusting. The grinding potential of Kroxa, even with or without Luris, is disgusting. The filtering you get with Dragon Rage Channeler and the acceleration you get with Ragavan is disgusting. Crazy good hand, crazy good hand disruption, crazy good removal. You even have counter spells like with or with Drown in the Lock. Just incredibly, incredibly flexible deck. Now, and grindy as hell. The mana base is pretty painful. So you're going to be prepared to take a lot of damage. I mean, we're looking at literally two basics. You have a mountain and a swamp. But that's the goal of the deck. That's the goal of the deck. So pretty cool. Uh, two Torok Dread Cantor in the side. That's pretty, you know, the best thing about Torok, you know, the, the best thing about a two mana two one that has the kicker of him to Torok. Uh, yeah. It doesn't die to solitude. Pro white. Doesn't die to solitude. Doesn't die to prismatic ending. Yep. Do you know what the premium removal colors in modern are? White. Now, obviously, it does die to things like lightning bolt and whatnot, but if you kick it, it barely dies to lightning bolt. And if you can make them discard even a couple more cards, because it just grows. You know, it really turns on your him to tur or your uh, your inquisitions and your thought seizes even late in the game where, you know, you may not want, you may not be as inclined to thought seize them when they only have two cards in hand. But when it makes your it grows your Torok one more time, it's it's huge. Yeah, at that point you don't really care what yep. you get. Yeah, exactly. As long as you can just get rid of anything. Um, this is just boomer as fuck, but I just love that Terminate still sees play. Like it's old and it's just one of my it's been one of my favorite cards for a very long time. Uh Terminate exists for Merktide Regent because there is just 
is so hard to answer Merktide region cleanly if you're not and in white. And Terminate does exactly that. And Terminate does it, it. I mean, even on mana, like on yep, mana, it's even on mana, like just it's kills even it. one for one on mana. It's perfect. Even an instant. Yes. Like you know, obviously, if you're in white, you probably would prefer to have Solitude just because even though you're giving them eight life, it kills them. But just it's 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 just the perfect answer, and I'm not surprised at all to see Terminate be so prevalent because Merktide is so prevalent. It was the it, it tied for first in the most played decks, but even even at that point, it's only ten percent of the meta. Yeah, for this challenge, uh, second place. Yeah, you you could put the <laughs> you put the top three decks together, and then you have the meta Blue share of Blue Red Delver and that Jeskai list. Second place was Demir Mill. Take a peek at that. See if there's anything. I see spicy eight crab, of course. The printing of ruined crab really kind of, really kind of bridged the gap mm -hmm. for modern mill to kind of become a thought concept. And what really pushed it over was Tasha's hideous laughter. Yeah. Once you had eight crab, people started playing with the idea of actually both legacy and modern, some turbo mill strategies. And then you had the three man of Tasha's hideous laughter that just hits a third of their deck sometimes, really pushed mill over the top and brought it into solid existence. Don't see anything crazy uh, different. Only one end of the story. I think I usually see two or three end of the stories because the refill potential is just so high. Mm -hmm. Four mana draw four is broken straight up. So I'm, I'm surprised to see them not leaning into that as much. And only one murderous cut in the main. Oddly enough, murderous cut is another excellent way to deal with Merktide. Yep. Even up a mana, you know, one black mana to kill anything. Pretty sweet. And it's, you know, pretty easy to, to mill for. You're going through your deck. You're... You the, the, this deck is really good about casting a lot of spells between the fatal pushes, between the drown in the locks, between the all the disruption, all the removal, all the mill. Third place, Jund, four DRC, four Ragavan, four Goifs, only three Ren and Six. I maintain that I kind of expect to see a little more Planeswalker action out of these Jund decks. But uh, when I went to Friday Night Modern last week, I did see Ren and Six just take over a couple games. And like, I mean, it's an incredibly powerful card. Everyone knows how powerful that card is, but it is. It is it is crazy to watch. Well, and especially when you combine it with Urza Saga. Yep, being able to buy back Urza Saga is incredibly grindy. Yeah, that card's pretty good. It, that card that card solves a lot of moldifies really well. And you can moldify, keep you know, keep two lands, and then just land drop for the rest of the game. You're good to go, baby. Obviously, this is a Luris deck. Like everything is in modern. Probably my only complaint about modern right now is the prevalence of Luris. Luris is just this <laughs> omnipresent value engine that both restricts decks and increases the grind value a lot. I wonder if that's one of the few things that's keeping blue-red Merktide at bay. Oh, I'm sure. It's just like, it doesn't get to run it, yep. and it just kind of elevates everything else up. Yeah, I it, bet you... it is an incredibly powerful tool everything gets to run that blue-red Merktide does not. Yeah. Speaking of blue-red Merktide, fourth place is our is our first Merktide list. These are the lists you've heard us talk about. That's, this is basically a, a legacy list in modern because you're running... Worst cantrips, worst counterspells. I say it every week, but just in case, it's things like consider Serum Visions and Archmage's Charm for your basically your cantrips. And then obviously Archmage's Charm can be a counterspell, but, uh, you know, OG counterspell and Force Negation as your like your main counterspells. But essentially the very similar disruption type, disruption type elements with Lightning Bolts and those counterspells, a little bit of cantripping to find your toys, and DRC... Ragavan and Merktide. They're running almost the exact same creature suite as Legacy decks. Mm -hmm. I don't see anything particularly spicy in the sides of most of these decks. These look pretty stock. Yeah, I don't see anything. Yep. Jace seems a little weird for this kind of deck, but yeah, that's a good point. I think I think Jace seems weird for this meta. 
like the meta is a little too fast for Jace right now. And the, and there's so many more powerful planeswalkers to use. There's so many planeswalkers right now that give so much value. Obviously, while Jace is an incredibly powerful planeswalker, like he's just too slow right now for modern. You know, he's he's a little too slow for legacy. Even the top end on legacy is much higher, being able to brainstorm some really powerful stuff in your deck and you fish for more powerful things. But even in modern, like I just don't think he's you don't see him played a whole lot, and that's for a good reason. Modern just kind of outpaced Jace. There's better things to be doing than spending four mana on a brainstorm or uh, unsummon. Yeah, well, in particular, unholy heat is everywhere. Yeah, and he's very easy to answer. Yep, I mean, it's, like, he, he literally is a four mana brainstorm. And yeah, I, with unholy heat around, he is. Yeah, that's, that's there's just so many better things to be doing. Fifth place is some real spice. Bant spirits. Now, I remember when MH2 came out, and obviously it put a bunch of spirit love into modern for spirits tons of tons of cards got printed to help the spirits deck and it just did not show up people talked about it people were excited about making it happen and this is the first week we've seen that i've seen spirits come into a top eight and really put up some good numbers now that being said i'm not a spirits player and i haven't seen enough spirits decks to know if there's any crazy spice in this matt's running through it right now to see if anything he recognizes but it just looks like a really synergistic really powerful spirit coco deck you know, you've got your control, you got your ramp elements with Noble Hierarch. You've got your control elements with Skyclave Apparition to come in and answer threats. And then just tons of cheap, effective, hard to block, hard to kill creatures that come in. And yep, there's a lot of two for ones in the deck. Basically. Like a lot of go wide. To be but honest, yeah, it's though, a cool I, deck. yeah, I don't see a lot in here that I could call spice other than the whole deck is spice, but very spicy, very yeah. spicy fifth place and really happy to see spirits. I'm glad to see Coco back in uh, yep. modern. Yeah, hopefully we see more. Sixth place, Azorius Control. Probably one of the lists I like to play the most, or the style of list. If I ever, if I, I build my second modern deck, I'd like to build an Azorius style list. This is essentially Azorius Super Friends. So we've got four Solitude as our only creatures to help control the board. Basically, control the board and stave off my death. Things like Prismatic Ending, Counterspell, Mem er, and Supreme Verdict. Three Verdict in the main. This is this is don't die dot deck, mm -hmm. and then stick a Teferi Time Raveler, a Jace the Mind Sculptor, or a Teferi Hero of Dominaria, preferably one of the lat one of the latter, and just start accruing so much value that your opponent has no chance of winning. Four spreading seas, always fun to see. You know, a, a two mana wasteland. You can keep that. You can keep that green red. It just you get blue now. Pink. Yep. Um, and then, you know, Celestial, Celestial Colony is kind of an interesting pickup. Usually you see, they, they do have Hall of Storm Giants, but like Hall of, Hall of the Storm Giants has kind of taken Celestial Colony's place. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised to not just see two Hall of the Storm Giants, but the, I'm, I'm guessing the flying is the, what matters there. Like Hall of the Storm Giants is blockable. It is yeah. jumpable. Celestial Colonnade is much, is, is much harder to, 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 to uh, jump out being a 4-4 flyer. The activation costs going up from 5 to 6 I think is somewhat negligible because at that point in the game like yeah you're not usually racing to get your haul online to to punch like right. you're you've you've gotten the game locked down and you're just going to beat them to death. Like I've I I love these Azorius control decks. I think Azorius is one of the most powerful color combinations in modern right now with the very powerful Planeswalkers you get access to and the very powerful control elements you get access to. Memory Deluge was a huge pickup for that deck. Like the end game potential of Memory Deluge is ridiculous. Four mana to look four deep and get to. I mean, four mana draw two isn't terrible at instant speed. Seven mana to draw two, but you get to dig through seven cards 
is just like pick at decide what you want and then go get it because yeah. you're probably going to find it seventh place another grixis shadow list um something we saw last sunday something we saw in both challenges incredibly powerful taking a quick peek at it looks like it's pretty much the same as soul strong looks very similar um you know you could pick one dress down in the main versus two collective brutality in the side there's obviously small changes here and there yeah. but this looks like a pretty stock list. I don't see anything crazy spicy in this particular list. Not going to lie. I'm legitimately surprised that Death Shadow is doing as well as it is with Solitudes everywhere. But the flip side is you're not as reliant. Death Shadow, as opposed to being a Death Shadow deck. Mm -hmm. It's a deck with Death Shadow. It's a, it's a very good deck with Death yep. Shadow. Yeah, it. these aren't like, so it isn't like in Legacy where, you know, you run the shocks to get your life total down. You're doing that anyway. Your life total is going to be low anyway. And yeah, these are just really good grindy decks with really good top ends. And one of those top ends happens to be a, a one mana 10, 10. Yeah. You know, well, hell, even if it's not, even if it's not a 10, 10, a one mana five, five. Yeah. Like there's just so the the threat density here is so like every single one of those cards is a must answer. And you card. look at, you know, even if you do, you know, obviously I don't want you to, um, swords of plowshares, my, my 10, 10, but you're getting, you're, I get 10 life. Yeah. Talk about, let's, you want to grind this game out five more turns. Go for it. I got Croxa coming out next turn. Right. So, I mean, obviously, it answers the immediate threat that I'm going to kill you with a 10-10 here soon, but it doesn't solve the problem of I'm going to cast some bonkers threats here soon. And even if it is just mid to late game, you know, if I if, if you nuke it, okay, I'm going to buy Luris, I'm going to play another Shockland, and I'm, and I'm going to, I've got that waiting ready. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess that one wouldn't be because that's exiled, but I've got a graveyard full of, full of them that are ready. So, yeah, it is kind of surprising to see how prevalent Death Shadow is with Solitude is basically the premier removal spell right now in modern. But like we said, this isn't a Death Shadow deck. This is a Grixis deck with Death Shadow in it. Yeah. And obviously Death Shadow is a great finisher, but so is Kroxa. So is DRC. So are a lot of these cards. So eighth place, we've got like this Jeskai Blink list. And, you know, when I see Jeskai Blink, I, I think of Jeskai Ephemerate. Yeah. And this is not that. So, like, Champion of the Parish, Esper Sentinel, Ragavan, Charming Prince, Malevolent Hermit, which is a two-mana 2-1. Two you can sack it to counter a non-creature spell unless they pay three. And then it disturbs into a flying 2-2 two -two where non-creature spells that you cast can't be countered. I like that card quite a bit, It's actually. a really cool card. Like that little, um, uh, it's not a spell, is that spell, basically spell pierce? Yeah. Yeah, basically spell pierce on a stick, but... You know, Meddling Mage, Phantasmal Image, Sanctifier and Vex, Snapcaster, 4 Thalia's Lieutenant, 4 Thalia, Adolin, Deputy, Deten uh, Deputy of Detention, 4 Imperial Recruiter, obviously, because this is, I mean, always one of us, but like, this deck is all over the place. This is... This is ba this is humans, is what this is. There, There's a couple non-humans in it, but this I've is basically humans. I've never seen a Yori on humans list. I know, it's kind of, this is, don't get me wrong, this is a spicy list but and it doesn't it doesn't it's not running some of the traditional humans but yeah, if you go down the right. list it's got humans with you know rag humans plus ragavan plus a couple other like yeah i guess i i i totally got thrown off with the i didn't see i just i didn't see humans in this i mean I was, these are humans i've read through but like i just didn't notice it like between the yorion between things like welcoming vampire he's louise man yeah this is this has a ton of meat. <laughs> this is a double serving of meat pie. Five. Or it has. Uh, this deck has 45 fucking creatures. This deck has 45 <laughs> creatures. It has four Aether Vial, four Bolt, one Teferi Time Raveler, 
and then creatures. Holy cow. This is this is a cool deck. One Snapcaster for the four bolts. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. This deck is awesome. Uh, I didn't I did not I didn't look through this deck too closely before we started, and I was totally caught off guard. This well, is MTG awesome. Goldfish's naming conventions are kind of weird. I don't know why this is called Jeskai Blink. There's not a single blink I, your, in it. Your charming prince. So your charming I prince guess. and your Yorion allow you to take advantage of Imperial Recruiter to keep digging through your deck, I guess. But like, yeah, this is this is 80 card human, 45 creatures. This deck is play a land, play a creature. Play two lands, play two creatures. Play three lands, play two creatures. That's crazy. Yeah, it's cool list. Yep. Uh, yeah, credit on that. Like, good job on Leaf Four for pulling in eighth place with some with some pretty spicy, pretty spicy stuff there. So, metagame summary: top five decks only have three each: Death Shadow, Murktide Regent, Azorius Control. It, it says Blink. I don't know if that Blink includes Human Blink, but we'll see. <laughs> and some Hammer Time. An incredibly diverse meta. We have a couple twos and a bunch of ones. Incredible. No deck in this meta pulled more than 10%. Whereas yeah. you got Blue Red Telver and Legacy pulling 25. Most played cards. Ragavan, Bolt, Mistress Bobble, Prismatic Ending, Unholy Heat. So <laughs> three removal spells in the top five. Creature decks beware unless you're running. I mean, that's that's one benefit of running 45 creatures. Yeah, you- I will have more creatures than you have <laughs> Lightning Bolts. <laughs> I'm going to take the, you're going to run four lightning bolts. I'm going to run 10 times that many yep. creatures. Let's see who wins this fight. Uh, top creatures, Ragavan, DRC, Solitude and Fury, and Esper Sentinel, one of my favorite cards from MH2 to come out. I still need to pick those up. I need to get those things. And top cards, uh, top spells, lightning bolt, bobble, ending, heat, and expressive iteration. One of the most powerful cards in standard, legacy, modern, and historic. Two mana draw two with selection is good. Yeah, expressive iterations. So to jump back through, just to say that like modern's amazing. I've been playing a bunch of modern on MTGO. I've been playing modern at my local FNM. Like this meta is a perfect example of just how diverse and crazy modern is. You know, there's tons of Luris, and that's probably the one thing I'd say that I don't like about it is there's so much Luris in the meta. It's everywhere. If you can get past that, the nice thing is the Luris decks are incredibly diverse. Luris goes into a ton of different decks. Yep, he's kind of like what Deathrite Shaman was when it got yep. banned. I mean, he's the Urza Saga of Legacy. We're like. Urza Saga is kind of everywhere, but it's in everything. It's all kinds of crazy stuff, and doesn't even. I mean, you see an Ur, you see Luris. It doesn't even tell you what they're on until they get like their second land. That down. is one of the advantage to everyone playing it now, as opposed to the yeah typical thing where like, oh, I'm the the one Yorion yeah, back exactly. in Legacy. So like like you know, every week we always say the praises of modern, but credit where credit is due. Watsy, modern's pretty fucking awesome. Good job. Alrighty, Matt. So as we come into the end of our episode. There's basically only one topic to talk about this week. We had a really big shakeup last week with Unfinity. We're not going to go over that again. Everyone should be pretty aware of how we feel about it. Yep. This week, because um, the, the announcement for Alchemy came out after we recorded, they kind of shook magic to its core again. And this was obviously geared towards Arena and the Arena-related formats, but they announced Alchemy. Do you know what Alchemy is? I do, yes. So it's basically pseudo-standard with um dash of hearthstone i would say more than a dash of hearthstone this is a solid pinch of yeah, hearthstone fair enough <laughs> yeah um so alchemy is this new mtg arena exclusive format that is going to run concurrent with standard and it's going to have all the sets of standard and it's going to rotate with standard but it's going to have these like 
extra releases of online-only cards that go into it. So you think about the Jumpstart Historic Horizons cards, like these cards that have things like Seek and um, what I, one of the mechanics where it always costs less or whatever. Like yeah. these, these mechanics perpetual, that, perpetual, impossible to do in paper mechanics. You can have a bunch of those. But most importantly, more importantly than anything else, it's going to have regular, and by regular, I mean like every month, rebalances. They're going to go in and they're going to change cards not or both paper cards and online only cards and that is yeah that's they're not just changing the arena only cards they're not just going to go in and change davriel's withering to make it you know opponent's creatures like they've already shown they're changing alrin's epiphany they're changing Aseka's chariot they're changing uh what's the five mana dragon goldspan dragon yep, goldspan these incredibly powerful cards that have been ruling standard um they've changed them They've they've nerfed them, and th this goes into effect on Thursday. So if you're listening to this, it went into effect today. It exists today. You can hop on and you can play Alchemy now. Wizards has tried to be very specific in that this is not meant to replace Standard. Standard will exist in every way it's existed online and in paper on on Arena. This is supposed to be a separate thing that exists at the same time. I think I've basically explained everything. What do you think about? So this? I'm coming at this from a couple different oh, angles. Right. There's one more thing historic is going to be fed off of alchemy now. yeah so your historic collection doesn't isn't the same as the standard collection all of your historic cards get changed when alchemy cards get changed sorry now go ahead yeah so as a non-standard player part of me just doesn't care like i don't care i don't play arena i have no intention of ever playing alchemy i don't really play standard i've dipped my tiniest toe into historic mm -hmm. so like that the very practical side of me is looking at this going like, I don't care because this doesn't affect me yep. in the short term. The very cynical side of me and the side that's been dealing with Wizards of the Coast in their bullcrap for 25 years yep. is looking at this going, what the hell is going on? We're not Hearthstone. Yep. Like, I, if Alchemy was a mix of standard legal cards and arena only cards, and the only things they changed were the arena-only cards, I think you'd be seeing a lot less pushback Probably. from this. Uh, people don't like the fact, and I totally agree with them, that Timeless Dragon does something different in paper than it does in Arena. Goldspan Dragon. Goldspan, yeah. yeah. The, that is going to piss people off. Yep. It's, Again, It's confusing, too. Yeah, it's Wizards loves to preach about making the game easy for new players yep. and every time they do something like this they're just actively working against that yep. goal it's too complicated to reference the stack on a card but yet we're going to make the same card yeah we're going to make gold three different printings have you know all kinds of different stuff yep so again i can understand 100 percent why people would be like flying off the handle yep. about this this is from a very like traditionalist point of view this is ridiculous kind of from a practical standpoint i'm just looking at this going well it it doesn't affect yeah. me at the moment. At least, at least it doesn't matter. The problem I have, and this is something we talked about last week, and it's it's something I wish people would take into consideration more, is every single time Wizards does something, it's setting a precedent for the future. Yes. And you ha you can't look at this decision in a vacuum and go, oh, well, I mean, alchemy is not that bad. Well, Alchemy now exists, and now they're going to be making decisions based on it. Well, again, we call, we call something similar to this when... They did this with Jumpstart Historic Horizons and they made arena only cards for Historic. Yep. And a lot of people looked at that and go, went, oh, it's just a handful of cards in Historic. 
this kind of underplayed format that doesn't really matter. And while you, while that's true, that was a test. And we, the second we saw it, we called that this isn't, this is not Wizards putting some interesting, you know, unique cards into historic. This is a test. Yep. This is them seeing what the client can handle and what the people are willing to deal with. And I mean, not even six to eight months, six months later, now we have a brand new standard format that is a significant chunk of both online cards that will get re and all the cards will get rebalanced. And don't one of the things I think people do way too often is they take wizards at their word. Yep. And so, wizards is notorious if you're paying attention for going back on their quote promises. Yep. So them saying this is not replacing standard. I if you it, if in five years it hasn't replaced standard, that's when I would believe them. It, yeah, it, it, this won't replace standard as long as standard is more popular than it. Right. As soon as they mess standard up, which look at the past five yeah. years, almost every set has messed standard up in a very serious yeah, I way. I have a whole bit about that. They're going to go, hey, by the way, since nobody's playing standard because we goofed up so much, we're going to patch these cards in alchemy. And that's, that's basically what they're doing here. They're, well, they're going to, yeah, this can, every month they're going to be patching cards. Like yeah. They're going to be aggressively changing cards. So I, so I don't think this bodes well for the future of standard. So my opinion on it, as someone who is invested in historic, I do play, um, I used to play a decent bit of historic on there. And, uh, I'm personally really bummed out that my historic collection isn't safe anymore. The idea of historic was a place where you could play all of your cards that have rotated. So there's something to do with them. And you know, now I, I very purposely chose to avoid buying arena only cards because they'll get nerfed and I won't get reward or uh, refunded. And I can't do that anymore. They could go in and change any card they want. They have even said that they may use alchemy to adjust historic metas if they need to. They've, they've opened the door to say that if we decide Solte ultimatum is too good and historic, that we'll make an alchemy adjustment to it and, uh, you know, adjust a card. Yeah. I mean, they already have, they've adjusted all epiphany is much worse in my deck now, just as a small example. Yep. So that bums me out that I have uh, I've lost the ability to avoid these arena only cards, essentially, that could be nerfed and thus weaken the strength of my collection without being compensated with without being compensated wild at all cards. Now, if they fix that in the future, my opinion will change. The other thing about this that um, I don't like, I don't know if you've thought about this, is this really makes me worried for their printing practices in the coming years. So what would you say is the most difficult thing for wizards to get right when it comes to designing a set? I would say balance. Yeah. Power balance, right? That's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Is to balance a set so that the cards all work relatively well together and then to balance multiple sets. The defining characteristic of a good or bad standard is whether or not one or two set releases was way more powerful or way underpowered. Correct. So... Wizards has shown they have a hard time with this and you know they 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 only have so many testers and they 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 repeatedly fail at getting cards balanced correctly. Now they are quickly losing incentive to even care. It doesn't matter. What does it matter if we throw a card out there into standard and it's a clusterfuck? It's okay. We'll fix it for alchemy. Yep. Now, what that doesn't fix it for is legacy, is modern, and is commander. Yep. Now, and, again, and actual standard and actual standard but let's let's work but on let, let's work on the assumption that standard is at least moved to the wayside a little bit because standard has not been very popular lately yep. because they keep throwing bad cards out there so under that assumption we're not going to worry about standard too much they get to just throw cards into existence and not worry about balancing them not worry about testing them too much they'll still test i'm sure but it isn't nearly as high as stakes because they'll just fix it after 
And we will get stuck in these eternal formats with, you know, potentially throwing a veil drain powerful cards. Now, I'm not saying this will come out next year. I'm not saying it's come out next month. But if alchemy becomes very popular and if they move towards just making things with alchemy in mind, if building a set with alchemy in mind or building a card with alchemy in mind is easy. Yeah, becomes a lot easier. I'll just throw some stats on a card. I'll throw some abilities and we'll throw it out there and we'll check on it in two weeks. And oh, shit, that's too good. Let's dial that back. Oh, it's still too good. Let's dial it back again. Oh, it's good. Sweet. Cool. And meanwhile, maybe we're sitting over here in modern going, can you fix mine? This two mana four five that draws two cards on ETV, guys, a little too good. One of the things that's always kind of confused me, I know there'd be a lot of, say this about anything, there's going to be a lot of logistical issues and stuff like that. There's definitely some reasons why you wouldn't want to do this. But if you look at something like WoW, WoW has what's called the public test realm. And that's, they basically yeah. release the game early on separate servers and allow people to balance it for them. And then once it's been within reason fixed, they release yep. it. Overwatch did the same thing. Correct. And that's, again, that's Blizzard. And for all their faults and, well, you know, all the stuff they're in the news about, the public test, test realm, yep. in my opinion, is a huge thing that they've done that is, yep. to, to be perfectly honest, is something every game should do. Yep. Every like perpetual I mean, game, like we, an we regularly complain about how poorly cards are balanced or how poorly cards are are created on power level. And you know, you look at if Wizards has let's say eighty people working in their testing department, which you would say, oh, it's a big testing department. Obviously, not not big no. enough, but it is. Well, and it's it, it, it it's, it's almost an impossible job. It's minuscule compared to the people that sign on that that sign onto Arena every hour, right? And the fact that Wizards is unwilling to take advantage of them for their beta, beta testing is a big downfall of theirs. And the reason they're unwilling to do it, I'm assuming, is because it, it basically ruins set releases. The, the All of the spoiler hurrah hurrah is completely lost as soon as you start doing a, basically an open beta. Yep. Well, the, But the health of the game would be accelerated immensely. Right. And the thing is, there's workarounds around that. You could put in cards. One, you could completely disguise the flavor of them. Yep. Like there, there's nothing to say that if you're doing the testing for you can make Kamigawa all, like, and Neon like Diancy, they could ju- they could literally just be blank cards and people would still play. They them. could just be blank test cards, and they could have they could have generic names. And I mean, people would love to hop onto Arena and play the PTR. And the fact of the matter is, the PTR, so to speak, player test region is the whole point of that is that it's going to change. Yeah. So while you would get a little bit of advanced knowledge, you could avoid most of the spoilers. Obviously, you're looking at the top like 10 most powerful cards in a set. Mm-hmm. That's what people really get excited about. But a lot of the spoiler season is just like the flavor of the set. Yeah. What's going to be cool and fun, and exciting. You don't even necessarily have to do like the whole thing. You could take <laughs> a PTR with like current standard and then start throwing individual well, cards in it. And I mean, see how it not goes. to mention, even if you didn't do like with current standard, if you just did like standalone sets, you look at if these are cards that aren't printed yet. These are cards that are coming out in maybe a year and a half. Right. Like, these are cards that people are probably going to forget existed because if you play with a card, if, I mean, if we play with cards for for three weeks testing them, and then we spend the next nine months playing with four different sets of cards, and then that card comes out, you're like, that's kind of I played with a four mana three five. That's a you know what kind, and it, 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 you you would they have the opportunity to tap into this. Inc- I mean a testing pool of people millions deep right? and solve, I would argue, almost every single one of their balancing issues immediately if they would find a way to make that work. Well, and the, the biggest thing, in my opinion, that they would solve, and I'll give you two examples. You've got 
Sahili cats, which, yeah. and then a more recent example, and I don't think this is going to be necessarily an issue for competitive play, but within minutes of the unset being spoiled last week, there was already a two-mana, two-card yep. combo I mean, if you, that came out like just like that. If you want to talk about great examples, Oko is a great example, where the, 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 the testers publicly announced that they never thought of using Oko's ability on their opponent's creature. Right. Like, things like that. That stuff Just will these, not get missed. These massive oversights. You let, You're still going to have some stuff where it's like, oh, well, that uh -huh, card is absolutely. a little too good or and, whatever. And there'll still be skull clamps that get adjusted at the end and it's wrong. Right. But like, you let 10,000 Magic players play with a card for two weeks, they'll tell you what's broken and well, yeah, they'll tell you what's you ridiculous. You put the spoilers out and people instantly see these combos yeah. that just so, go overlooked. I would say an immediate counter argument to what we're saying. We're like, guys, make a PTR. Is there would be a there'd be a lot of investment in making this work, make the coding, making everything function. Like, there's a lot of work that goes into making all this happen. And my argument to that would immediately be: they made a new standard. Yeah, they made a whole new in set. order to try to do this. Yeah, as opposed to just doing just make a, a make a, make a test arena, make yeah. a test region. Let people play with silly stick figure looking cards with generic names and look at the data from that and again we will tell you what is way too good yeah and the fact that they're unwilling to tap into that is, is kind of sad um well just in their defense and this is i don't want this to be taken the wrong way there's a solid chance they've just never thought about it like not maybe like a high chance like somebody's it's probably been passed around the office i can almost guarantee you they haven't taken a real hard look at doing something like that yeah. Or maybe they did, and the alchemy is what, what the, came out of it. What came out of it? Maybe. But like one of the things we have to keep in mind with Watsi is a they are a smaller company. They there's they do have limited resources, and a lot of people. There's probably a lot of calcification going on at Wizards, where the people that have been there have been there for so long that they're just not coming out with new ideas. Maybe. So like you don't have somebody, and again, I know Morrow isn't in particular responsible for this area oh, I'm, I'm sure he's not yeah. but like he's a good example of somebody who is he's been involved with this for 20 plus years yes he's gonna his job is to come up with new things and whatnot but his job he, when you're like embedded in something you just don't look at it, at it the same way as somebody yeah. who's been who's on the outside looking in trying to solve your problem there's a decent chance that it's never really occurred to them to like hey we could do something like this yep and we can make a test region, a test format, right? And just let people just play with our or, car, the cards we're going to print in two years. One of the one of the problems that I this has had multiple instances of it, where Wizards kind of creates their own problems, where they're like, "Well, we can't print that that card in a core set." Yeah, you can, yeah, because you're you've made an arbitrary rule where cards with X flavor don't go in core sets. Okay, guess, that's a rule you're doing. And this is just kind of the example of their thinking where they get stuck in a way of thinking and they kind of make their own problems and then make their own excuses as to why they can't solve them. I have thought of a good argument against me, which is um, if you like keywords would be it'd be hard to disguise keywords like you would pretty aggressively spoil maybe planes we're going to or planes we're revisiting by what keywords are showing up or you just call them keyword 
one. Yeah, but what they do, I mean, like, if they ever brought Phyrexian Mana well, back. As or, we've proven, most keywords are just kicker. You could just call them kicker. They are just kicker. <laughs> yeah, you probably could. You probably you probably could. You'd have, there, there'd probably be some things that. <laughs> if the kicker is paid, does yeah. X, Y, or Z. You probably could get around it. I was like, I, you know, I give credit to them. That is a thing where it's like, you know, you could see a revisit to Phyrexia coming if you see a Phyrexian manners, you know, but they probably could be hidden pretty easily. And while I agree with you that it's going, there's going to be a lot of problems. I'm personally like, I don't really care about spoilers. Well, the thing is, let, let's, let's, let's not knock on the spoilers. Let's say there's going to be a lot of problems. There are a lot of problems. Yeah. So oh, let's, 100%. Let, let's say, let's trade now problems for maybe later problems. So like that, well, that's kind of what I was getting at is to me, spoilers it's like oh cool for a week i get to see what's coming out in this set i would happily sacrifice that to have a more balanced standard yeah you know what i mean like yeah we lose out on a little bit of hype but standards better and what do you think in the long run is going to boost your sales more a consistently enjoyable format or you get these little bit of spikes in hype which you could still do because like i said there's a at least half of the spoiler hype is the fun flavor stuff and it's, it's totally possible though that with how many how many people in magic that are like kitchen t- kitchen table players who are maybe the spoiler season is what gets them in like maybe the spoiler season hype is what gets them super involved now i would the argue flip side of that is they're probably not paying attention to the ptr yeah I say the, my <laughs> argument to that is if you're heavily marketing towards those people that are just like oh my gosh magic is a thing again because it's spoiler season yeah they probably didn't know that this card got spoiled 18 months ago on arena because they somebody put three and eight together and figured out that, oh my God, we're going to Phyrexia. Well, and the funny thing is, is there's actually a pretty clean solution to this. It's just an NDA. Like if you want to participate in this, disagree with that. You just, you don't yeah, get to talk about you can't, it. Yeah. But you, if we're looking at, if we're looking at putting 50,000 people into this, well, you don't not, need, you realistically, you don't need 50,000 people. You need 1,000, 2,000 people. I mean, that's 10 or 20 times the amount of people. There is no way Watsy could manage an extra couple thousand NDAs every six weeks. They don't need, they don't need to be six weeks. They don't need to be that long, and they don't really need to be that big. Oh, so, I mean, you'd need a new NDA for every new set that comes out into this yes, hypothetical be, test region. you'd be changing, it'd be boilerplate stuff. Yeah, well, hey, but, you're not, because I mean, they, they literally do this with spoiler season, where they're like, hey, here's your yeah, card, you're not allowed to talk about it. And I, I know you're talking about I, content I, I, creators and smaller numbers of people. I, just think, I think that scales too poorly, and I think it's. I think it's just better to theory craft. Well, and the biggest like, let's thing just get rid of the idea of hiding this is stuff. realistic. If you did an NDA, ninety nine percent of people, you, you don't have to enforce it. It's the same thing as an end user license agreement. Yeah, you go, hey, by doing this, you're agreeing to not talk about this stuff. But and then if the the punishment is if you if we catch you talking about it, you don't get to sign up again. Yeah, I know. It's but- very. One, but the point I'm getting at is there are solutions to these things. And like, I don't like when, when you come up with new ideas, everyone wants to say it's impossible. For whatever reason, when we're talking about magic, change is always impossible unless it's wizards doing something stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's, it just gets really frustrating when wizards seems to be the only gaming company who can't solve their problems. They try very hard. They do try. They throw a lot of stuff at the wall. They, well, the problem yeah, is they, they throw a lot of stuff at the wall, but they grease the wall themselves so nothing sticks. Yeah. So, again, yeah, I don't know. We're two guys sitting in a basement. Yep. But we know how to run a billion dollar company. Uh, that's, yeah. I wouldn't even sarcastically say that I know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. But I'm decently good at poking holes and things. And they're, I think the benefits of a PTR drastically outweigh the downside. I think the benefits definitely warrant a 
very serious look at if it hasn't already happened. And it could have happened. Yep, this could. could have been done behind the scenes. But like, yeah, I think I think that solves the vast majority of it. I mean, like standard would be fun. It's the idea that a balanced format's a fun format. Formats would be fun because they'd be balanced because we because, again, we talked about how what ruins a format is the top three cards yep. is the top. This, and that, like this I said, that's top, all you're trying to catch. This top one percent of one percent where it's like that's too good. We'll find that. I promise. Yeah, most, most people find that on spoiler day. Right. Let alone let's play with it for two weeks. We'll find but it. But the problem is spoiler day is too late to fix it. Oh, yeah. Like by 18 months too late to fix it. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, Obviously, we don't know. I think we're both relatively against the idea of alchemy just in terms of, again, the only reason I'm against alchemy, and we haven't talked about this yet, the only reason I'm against it is because it mucks with my cards that I already, I already own. Um, If they made alchemy just a separate format that you could opt in to play and there were alchemy cards and they rebalance it, and if you want to spend your money on that, you could do it, I would have nothing bad to say about it. I would, I would joke like, oh, hey, we're Hearthstone now and go play Hearthstone with magic cards. The funny thing is, I would probably play Hearthstone with Magic. Cards. Yeah, but the fact that they're gonna they're gonna try they're gonna muck up Historic Brawl and they're gonna take my Historic cards away. And yeah, they're, like they're they're in my opinion they're making a relatively bad um, economic system on Arena worse. If they weren't messing with the cards I already have and the cards that I got that weren't supposed to be involved with Alchemy, I would have way less negative to say. And I think most people would. Yeah. I think if they just made Alchemy its own thing that's over there by itself, I think most people, at least I don't think their complaints would have many legs to stand on because that's a great example of that product wouldn't be for you. Don't opt into it. You don't want to play Alchemy? You don't want to play this volatile format where cards change a lot? Then don't play it. But I don't get that choice now. I want to play Historic. Yep. I want. It's one step well, forward, two steps back. Yeah. And on top of, and I don't, I don't want to throw shade at wizards for cards they might print in four years. What I'm saying is design philosophy that could come from an alchemy magic world is something that would need to be really looked at because it could facilitate some scary, powerful cards. And that kind of scares me in a vacuum. You know, I, I want to make it clear. I'm not over here shitting on wizards for something they might fuck up three years from now. I've got plenty to worry about this week. Yeah. But my biggest concern is that they're making, they're, they're, they're mucking up cards i already own on historic and that's probably my only like like right now real world complaint about it is i didn't want to opt into alchemy and you're making me yep i don't get to say that product isn't for me and that's well that's what we were talking about last week too yeah where that's consistently <laughs> at least the un- problem at least the unset isn't literally changing my legacy decks like the cards in it already correct but <laughs> it's not rewriting the text on them yeah exactly this is rewriting the text on my all runs epiphany yep. All right, um, we're getting a little long. Matt, was there anything else you want to cover this week? It was a relatively quiet week in Magic. We kind of had our big stuff last week, so we basically did meta and alchemy this week. But yeah, if there's anything uh, I forgot, you want to? I don't think there is. I think gotcha. kind of a slow week, so I think we got it all. As we wrap this week up, I want to get another shout out to Will and Aramis at the Plain Soccer's podcast, great standard podcast that also does uh, a lot of Commander. They have a really great Discord that I really enjoy getting to be a part of. I would check it out. I think it's just Discord at plain, or I think it's just planeswalkers at discord.com or however Discord links work. If you Google Planeswalkers Discord, you will find it. One of these days, I promise, I will look it up and write it down. I just haven't yet. But it's a really great community. One of the things I don't say in here often enough, Will and Aramis, every single standard set release that happens, they do a free-to-enter arena tournament where the winner gets a box of a, a product. I think it's yeah, usually are, a set booster box. Just a free set booster box mailed to you of whatever the new standard There's set is. There's always a lot of excitement around. Yeah, it's a time. It's it's tons of fun. 
and, you know, it, it's a free tournament you get to be a part of and you might win a box and the people are fun to talk to. And it's a really, really fun, really active discord that I recommend people jump into. If you're bored on Wednesdays, check out their commander craft on uh, twitch.com forward slash planestalkers. And if you want to play some commander, we got to last week, uh, a couple weeks ago and, you know, I had a lot of fun. I think you had fun, but I think you would agree relatively easy. Oh, yeah. Like really easy to set. If you have a webcam and a deck, you're good. Pretty much. So recommend people check that out. And if you would join the discord, you can easily play on the on the uh, commander craft if you want to reach out to us we are cantrip cartel at gmail.com you can hit up our facebook group at cantrip cartel and you can also check us out at twitter at cantrip cartel we also have a youtube channel we don't have enough subscribers to have a custom url so our url is still you know 73 38 29 yeah but if you google cantrip cartel you should be able to find us or just search on YouTube. Yep. Search us up on YouTube, uh, Cantrip Cartel. And I, I try and post these videos, uh, a video version of our podcast on Tuesdays, the Tuesday after the podcast would go up because it takes me a long time to get things uploaded on my internet. But just so people have some more access to the stuff if they want to check it out on YouTube. Other than that, Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting? I think we're good. All right. Well, we had a great time and we will see you guys next week. All right. Have a nice night, guys. I'm going to go ahead and at the end of your turn, I'm going to cast split in two and then in response cast dual caster mage curse you <laughs>